Welcome to the podcast of Church on the Rock in New Albany, Indiana. We believe the message you're about to hear will encourage you today. Let's turn to the book of Romans. Romans chapter 12. We're going to continue talking about your mind this morning. So I'm excited about it. Is your mind right so far today? We're talking about your mind. Romans 12. And we're going to turn to verse 2. It's a key verse we've been reading on Sunday mornings. It says, And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. Notice that. And do not be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So if you're taking notes today, the title of my message is Mindset Matters. Mindset Matters. Now, if you've been here on Sunday mornings the past few weeks, we've been talking about your mind. We've been talking about your thoughts. And uh, I encourage you to re-listen to those podcasts. And those podcasts really laid foundation for what we're talking about today. But let me do a quick just recap. We talked about... The Bible says in Proverbs 23, in verse 7, first part of the verse, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So we talked about how you are what you think you are. You have what you think you can have. It's all related to your thinking, even though that God has a certain life for you that he wants you to have in his word. He's provided for you. If you don't think on that level, you'll never have that. You live to the level of your thinking. When God wants to change your life, He has to change your thinking. I knew I'd get a hearty amen on that. When you change your mind, you can change your life and you can change your future. And that's what it says in Romans 12 too. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed. And that word transformed means to be changed from within into a completely different person than before. To be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And so today I want to talk about mindset matters, and we're going to go to a different verse today and and focus on that. And it's in Ephesians 4, verse 22. I believe it's in the Amplified Classic. And I was reading these verses, and these verses are like the sister or brother scripture to Romans 12, too, in my opinion. Notice the similarities in these verses. Ephesians 4.22 in the Amplified. Strip yourselves of your former nature. Put off and disregard your old, unrenewed self. Now, what's your old, unrenewed self? The part of you that was conformed to this world and its way of thinking. But he said, no, put off that old, unrenewed self. Because if you're unrenewed, you're going to be conformed to this world which has characterized your previous manner of life and becomes corrupt through lust and desires that springs from delusion. In verse 23, and be constantly renewed. Now, in Romans 12, 2, it says, and be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Notice this is what it's saying, this exact same thing. And be constantly renewed in the spirit of your mind having a fresh mental and spiritual attitude. Now let's leave this verse up here, but notice it says, and be constantly renewed in the spirit of your mind. 
Now, you need to understand this about your mind and your thinking. Because some of you are like, well, I have an unrenewed mind or I have a renewed mind. Some of you are saying, well, I've done a lot of work on my mind and I don't think the way I used to think. Well, that's wonderful. But let me tell you something about renewing or unrenewing your mind. It's a constant process either way. There's no neutral ground. If you do nothing, you're going backwards and being unrenewed and conformed. If you do something, you're being renewed and you're being transformed. There's no middle ground here. But notice it says, and be constantly renewed in the spirit of your mind. Renewing your mind is a constant ongoing process that is taking place in your mind and in your thinking. And if it's not, you're not being renewed. I love Brother Hagin. Now, Brother Hagin was just kind of old school, and he, he grew up, you know, in, in the era where most people lived on farms, and he was just simple about things. And he said it like this. Your mind stays renewed about as long as your hair stays combed. And it's true. Don't, don't we know that's true? Your mind stays renewed about as long as your hair stays combed. So the day you stop renewing your mind, it's amazing. You get a couple days outside of renewing your mind, how you start acting. Can I get amen in the house? Husbands and wives, say amen. Couple days outside the word, couple days outside of prayer, couple days outside of listening and renewing your mind, you start acting like you used to act. Why? Because your mind does not automatically stay renewed just because it was renewed at one time. It stays as long as your hair stays combed. And so you automatically start going back, and it could be a couple days outside the word, and you're like, I got anger issues again. Why? Because your mind is starting to become unrenewed again to the way you should be thinking. Well, I'm bitter again, and I'm unforgiving again, and I'm worried again, or I'm depressed again. Well, your mind stays renewed about as long as your hair stays combed. So let's put that verse back up there, Ephesians 4.23. That's why it says, and be constantly renewed. That means you're constantly changing the way you think to think like God thinks. That's what renewed means. You're constantly working on your mind. You're constantly working on your thinking. You're constantly putting your eyes in this word and your ears on this word and renewing your thinking to the way that God thinks. And you're putting God's word in your mouth and in your mind, and you're renewing your mind constantly to change the way you think. But notice what happens when you do that. You will have a fresh mental and spiritual attitude. Now, I guess that's a big uh, teller on who really has a renewed mind, isn't it? Oh my or oh me, whatever you want to say, you can say it this morning. But it says those who have had a constantly renewed mind will have a fresh. Isn't that what we all want anyways? Okay, well, how do you get there? Constantly renewing your mind. A fresh mental and spiritual attitude. Now we're talking today about your mindset and your mindset matters. But I love this. Have a fresh mental and spiritual attitude attitude or we could say a mindset the definition of a mindset is this the established set of attitudes held by someone 
Our mindset matters daily. You know, the mindset or the attitude you bring into your day determines how your day will go. Come on now, somebody. You got to help me today. You can go into that day with the attitude of faith. And you can go into that day with the attitude of fear. It's up to your mindset. It's up to your attitude. You can go with the, the attitude of love. Or you can go into it with hate. You can go with peace or you can go with worry. You can go, I'm going into this day a victor or a victim. You can go into the day, I have the attitude of being positive or negative. But as your attitude and mindset is, so your day will go. Because your mindset matters. And notice what it says. When you're constantly renewed, you can have a fresh mental and spiritual attitude every day. Our attitudes affect everything about us. You know that our attitudes determine our altitude. It determines how far we can go in life, our attitude, our mindset. We talked several weeks ago about how that we, most of us have limiters on our thinking because of our mindset, our attitude. But our attitude will determine our altitude, how far we can go and how high we can go in this life. One of my favorite quotes is this. A bad attitude is like a flat tire. You got to change it if you want to go somewhere. And most of us want our life to change, but our attitude stays the same. We want our future to change, but our mindset stays the same. Guess what? Until you change that, Nothing will ever change. You have to be constantly renewed, having a fresh mental and spiritual attitude. And if you have that, guess what? Things in your life will start changing. Your health will start changing. Your mind will start changing. Your job will start changing. Your relationships will start changing. Your future will start changing when you have a fresh mental and spiritual attitude. But that comes from being constantly renewed. So our attitudes affect how far we go in this life or how high we go. Now, let's just give you a real practical example. This is not even a spiritual example, but just in the natural. Let's take your job. How you go to your job and your attitude there matters how far you will go in that job. <laughs> if when your boss asks you to do something, you huff and puff, and act like he puts you out when he's paying your bills. You won't go far in that company. All of us in here would say at the job you work at that you want to be promoted. You would say that you want to be elevated in your job. You want better benefits. You want extra retirement. You want a pay raise. You want to be an executive in that company. You want to go somewhere. Guess what? Your attitude will affect your altitude in that company. Your mindset will affect how far you will go, just in the natural. We're not even talking about a spiritual thing. Your attitude there, how you work, and why you work, how you relate to coworkers, how you relate to the boss. Are you passionate? Are you excited to be there? Do you have a smile on your face? Do you have a good attitude? Because your attitude will affect how far you go, just in the natural. And a lot of people are complaining 
about their job and you know I'm not just I'm not getting the raises I need to get or I'm not getting the promotions I need to get and, and I'm not going everybody's just keeping me down the man's trying to keep me down man or then we say stuff like this you know the enemy's just after my job that's why you know it's like this maybe it's your stinky attitude Maybe it's because you show up to work late all the time. Maybe it's because when your boss talks to you, you don't act excited, and he doesn't appreciate that. He's not going to promote you. Maybe it's because you need to change your attitude, and if you changed your attitude, you would go further in life. Let's not blame it on, well, they're just trying to keep me down at my job because my color. They're just trying to keep me down at my job because the, the devil, devil doesn't like me being here. No, maybe it's just your attitude. Come on, let's take some ownership for ourselves. Maybe it's just your attitude. You could have been promoted years ago with a good attitude. You could have got a raise years ago with a good attitude, but your mindset matters. Now, that's just one example of one part of your life where having a fresh spiritual and mental attitude matters. It could determine how far you go in that company based off your attitude. And many of us are praying for raises and bonuses and discounts and dividends. My, my. <laughs> We're praying that God would promote us. But how's your attitude at your job? Oh, y'all don't want to hear this today, do you? I want a Christmas message, Pastor. There's your Christmas message. Bah humbug, you need to change your attitude. All I know is people that have good attitudes get promoted. People that have the right attitude get raises. People that have the right attitude will go further in life than people that have the wrong attitudes. Because you got to change your attitude and your mindset before you can change your life. One of, uh, one of my favorite movies is Remember the Titans. And um, I love it. There's so many good lines in that movie. But my favorite line... And me and Ames, quote this to each other every week of our lives. We actually send each other the, the GIF. You know the GIF? Yeah. You know what a GIF is? Yes. Older people don't. Younger people do. It's a little video you send on text message of something that's going on. So go to GIFs in your iPhone and type in Remember the Titans, and you'll see this GIF or a meme. Some of you guys still don't know what I'm talking about. It's okay. It's not the peanut butter. It's something that happens on text message. But anyways, we're talking about Mindset Matters. So my, one of my favorite movies is Remember the Titans. How many like Remember the Titans? That's a great movie. It's an inspirational movie. How many know Denzel Washington is just the goat all time? Just the, one of the greatest actors ever. I watch anything he's in. He's one of the best. But I love this part because, you know, they're at training camp and they're duking it out. And, you know, you got the black team and the white team and they're trying to come together and there's two captains on the team there's the white captain there's the black captain and the one guy has a bad attitude and the other captain gets in his face because he's like well I'm the captain and he says his little line and me and Amsey quote it to each other every week he says attitude reflects leadership captain attitude reflects leadership captain but you know what that means to me on your own life? 
that when you have the right attitude, it's telling me that you have taken leadership of your own life. You've not waited on someone else to change your attitude. Well, I'll change my attitude when my husband and wife change my attitude. Okay, it won't change. I'll change my attitude when my employer changes. Nope. I'll change my attitude when my family changes. Nope. I'll change my attitude when... Nope. Attitude reflect leadership, Captain. When you have the right attitude every day of your life, and you have the attitude that God would want you to have in the mindset, that tells me that you've taken ownership and leadership of your own life and you have decided how your mindset is going to be. And you are the only one who can set that for yourself. No one else can. But that's leadership. And you don't have to lead a company or lead a group of people to be a leader. God wants you to lead your own life. And when we have the right attitude, that means we've taken leadership of our own life on how our mind is going to be. Stop waiting on somebody else to change the way your attitude is. Stop waiting on somebody else to change your mindset. Your attitude will affect how far you go in this life. You guys still getting something today? We're talking about mindset matters this morning. But there is a specific attitude that I want to talk about this morning. And I think it's so important for us to have. And it's the attitude and mindset of thankfulness. Now, I realize that uh, Thanksgiving is this Thursday. And I, I'm not usually a person who just preaches about the holidays. This is a deeper message than that. This is a life message. Because how I many you know people say thankful things on Thanksgiving and don't say anything thankful the rest of the year. So there's a specific attitude that all of us need to have, especially as believers in Jesus, and it's an attitude and mindset of thankfulness. And now when I said that, the energy just got sucked out of the room. You're going to preach about thankfulness? And I'm supposed to be excited about that this morning? Well, that tells me you don't know the power of thankfulness. When we say stuff like that at church, everybody's like, mm. I want to hear about prosperity. I want to hear about healing. I want to hear about... No, you need to hear about thankfulness. Now, we're talking about your mind. Your mindset matters. And... This specific one we're going to deal with the rest of this time is about the mindset and attitude of thankfulness. And I want to tell you about how powerful it is that we see in God's word that God says that his presence shows up when we're thankful. We enter his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. If you read your Bible, especially in the New Testament, every time it mentions prayer and praying in faith, Thanksgiving goes with it. Thankfulness goes with getting your prayers answered. Being thankful because if you really believed that God was doing what you prayed about, you would be thankful. Thankfulness is a powerful thing. And we'll read later on in this message that thankfulness is the perfect will of God for your life. 
When we're thankful, we are in God's perfect will and perfect plan for our life. But I was thinking about why is it so, so important that we're thankful? There's, there's a lot of reasons, but here's the, really the root reason that I think it produces in our life. And it's something we all want and most of us don't have. And it's this word in the Bible called contentment. Now, the definition of contentment is this. Contentment is a state of peace, happiness, and satisfaction. It's this state of peace, happiness, and satisfaction that no matter what's going on in the world or your life or circumstances, you're still in that place of peace and happiness and satisfaction that is beyond your circumstances. And in my opinion, that is the greatest witness as a believer when unbelievers see believers that are walking in complete and absolute contentment even when they lost a job or when they lost a loved one or during the pandemic or during when they don't have as much money as they needed. And when they see believers be even and the same yesterday, today, and forever, and not in a fake and a phony way, but they're just really good. They're just not saying they're good. They're good because their contentment, their state of peace and satisfaction and happiness is so much deeper than everybody else's. And it's in Jesus alone. That is one of the greatest witnesses that a believer has. But that is what the entire world is looking for. Contentment. But there's a key to contentment and it's thankfulness. Now, today as we talk about this a little further, you need to realize this about contentment. It's not something that you earn or achieve. It's not something you work for. It's not something that just hits you upside the head. I think that's what a lot of believers think. Okay, well, I'm saved, but I don't really feel content. Or I just need to get in a prayer line and then I'll feel content. The Bible says contentment is something that we all have to learn. Because contentment is a mindset, an attitude, and a way of thinking. I knew there would be great shouts when we were on the subject. <laughs> but contentment is what we all want. We're all we're looking for. Now, I like to tell on myself on Sunday mornings because I feel like it helps you. But I struggle really bad with contentment about anything in my life. And... Uh, So, Pastor, why are you preaching on this then? Because <laughs> I like to preach to you stuff that God's preaching to me about. I preach to you stuff that God's helping me with. And during the summer, I was having a lot of conversations with God. And I know there's external reasons why I feel the way I feel sometimes in life because of my call, because of my responsibility, because of outside circumstances. But I was just talking to God a lot about it. I was like, God, I don't remember the last time I would say I feel like content in life about anything. 
about my physical health, my mental health, about church, about family, about anything. Because I always want things to be better. That's not a bad thing. We talked about that. We need to always be pursuing and growing and changing and taking the limits off of God. But that's not at the expense of our contentment. Because God wants you to be peaceful and happy and satisfied in the in-between time. In the time you are growing. In the time you are waiting. On the time you are changing. In the seasons you don't like. He wants you to be content in those times. Yes, still stretching for more and believing for more and pursuing more. But God wants us to be content in him and living in a state of peace, happiness, satisfaction, even when circumstances aren't right. Even when things we know still need to change. Even though we're not where we want to be yet, we can still be content yet pursuing more. And the key to that is thankfulness. I was having a talk with God during the summer. I was out at Charlestown State Park, my home away from home. I was parked there. Mom would always say, I feel like the Charlestown State Park people probably think you're up to no good out there. <laughs> they see a blue, dark black looking truck like every day, just parked at random spots. Are you hiding bodies? Are you growing marijuana? What are you doing out here? <laughs> I'm thinking, I'm just trying to pray and talk to God. Leave me alone, people. I've been questioned a few times out there. But, but that's where I go and I talk to God. It's quiet out there. It's peaceful out there. Now that you know where I'm at, please don't come find me. But... In that conversation with God, he was just saying, Jordan, I don't think you've ever been content about anything. One, because you're just a really driven person and you don't like things to stay the same. You don't like things to not be right. And so you want it to always change. You want it to always get better. That's not a bad thing. But the bad part is you being miserable and depressed while you're waiting to get there. Do you guys like this message or not so much today? Okay. <laughs> so I was talking to God and God was just like, you've never like been content in your life. Like, I don't, it's like, thanks God. Appreciate that. And I was trying to think back of like times in my life that I've ever felt like a, 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 a like a place of just peace, happiness. And I'm, I just feel satisfied in this moment. I can name a few of them. I know definitely in God's presence, I feel that. But how many know once God's presence kind of feels like it wanes off of you, you go back to your life? But, but I feel like that in God's presence. There's, there's been times where I feel that strongly, and I'm like, man, I'm in the perfect will of God right now. I feel a place of peace and happiness and satisfaction. Like on Sundays when I'm preaching, I feel that right now. I know I'm in God's perfect will right this moment. I feel completely peaceful and happy and satisfied. I'm doing what I'm called to do right now. But after this, when I leave and go to lunch, I don't feel that way. 
Now, the other times in my life I would say I feel that way, and I know parents would understand this, is like when I'm with Natalie. There's times when I'm with Natalie that I'm like, I don't even care that anybody else exists, like right now. Like, I love other people, but I don't need anybody else. Me and Natalie are out playing and doing something. It's just me and her, and we're having a great day together. Parents, you understand what I'm saying. You feel that contentment right in that moment. Yeah, Brother Sean and Miss Jenny, give all your kids kisses right now. They need it. In Jesus' name. I saw you guys looking at each other. Are you guys still with me so far? Now, we're, we're going somewhere. This is not just therapy. We're going somewhere. But you know what? When I was in that moment, God told me in that moment, he said, you know what you're going to have to do, Jordan? You're going to have to learn how to be content. Now, when he said that, I immediately thought of the scripture that says that. So I looked it up in that very moment. And we're going to talk about that the rest of the time this morning because there's a scripture that says that in Philippians. And immediately when God said, Jordan, you're going to have to learn how to live in that contentment, that place of peace and happiness and satisfaction in your life, because it's not automatic. You can't just get in a prayer line and get it. It's something you have to learn and develop or renew your mind to and your way of thinking because being content is the way you think. Has everything to do with your mindset and your attitude and your way of thinking. Contentment does. It's not based on your circumstances. It's based on your mind. Now, we're going to read this verse and it's in Philippians, but let me give you a little context of this. The Apostle Paul was in prison in Philippi when he wrote these verses. Now think about this. The apostle Paul had been beaten, had been mocked, had been whipped, had been in shipwrecked, have unbelievers beat him up, had believers beat him up. He had been thrown in prison all for trying to preach the gospel and help people. In the time he wrote this letter, Philippians, to the Philippian church, some would say it's his most joyful letter, and he wrote it in prison. He wrote it in prison. So nobody could say that Paul wrote this letter about being content in the penthouse. He didn't write this driving a Maserati. He wrote this letter about being content in Jesus and joyful in prison. Cutting out all the excuses for all of us on our issues why we can't be content in life. But it's about your mindset. Because even though, I'm about to preach. Even though his body was in prison, his mind wasn't in prison. Even though his body was beaten, his attitude wasn't beaten. Even though he was physically in a circumstance that was uncomfortable. And how many know prisons back then were not like prisons today with three hot meals, a flat screen TV, and cell phone privileges? In those days, when you got thrown in prison, you got thrown into literally a dungeon, and they just let you use the restroom on the floor, and you slept in that exact place. That's the reality of it. 
You didn't get to go walk around. You didn't get a break. There wasn't human rights issues. You got thrown in a dungeon with a bunch of other crazy people, and they just let you stay there. Chained up. Sitting in your own poop. Yes, that's the reality of it. If Paul, sitting in prison, in his own poop, can say he was completely content and satisfied and peaceful and happy because of his relationship with Jesus and his attitude of thanksgiving, then what is your issue? I'm not throwing it at you. I'm talking about myself as well. Don't act like the man doesn't know what he's talking about. So that day, God gave me this verse, and he's like, Jordan, you're going to have to learn how to do that. You've had times and moments where you feel that way or you think that way, but you haven't lived that way. But you can. So let's read it. Philippians 4 and verse 11. This is so good in the Amplified. Paul, writing in prison, says, Not that I speak from any personal need, for I have learned. I've learned. That means it's something we all have to learn. To be content. And I love, this is the, defi- the biblical definition of contentment. Self-sufficient through Christ. That means if you lose everything else but still have Jesus, you're still content. Most people aren't there. But that's the level of contentment you can get to. That if you lose literally everything else but Jesus, you are self-sufficient through him. That's contentment. But notice what he says contentment is. Satisfied to the point where I am not disturbed or uneasy regardless of my circumstances. And I know how to get along and live humbly in difficult times, and I also know how to enjoy abundance and live in prosperity. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing life. Whether well-fed or going hungry, whether having abundance or being in need, I can do all things which he has called me to do through him who strengthens and empowers me to fulfill his purpose. I am self-sufficient in Christ's sufficiency. I am ready for anything, equal to anything, through him who infuses me with inner strength and confident peace. Come on, isn't that some good verses? But Paul in prison says, I've learned to live this way. And he goes on and says, I've learned to be content in every circumstance. And then he gives examples. I've learned to live through difficult times and times I didn't have a lot of money. And I've learned to live in abundance and prosperity. I've learned to do both and still be just as content in both situations. I've learned this regardless of my circumstance. How many know that is, again, the greatest witness for a believer? That you live in this deep place of contentment no matter what circumstance you're in. 
Don't you realize why the Apostle Paul had so much impact in all the prisons he was put in? Because in, if you read the Bible, it says that he got prisoners saved. He got guards saved. He got people in the government saved. All why he was in prison. Why? Because his contentment was a witness to the unbeliever. He wasn't in there complaining or fussing or cussing or, or explaining to everybody else why he shouldn't be in there. He was being completely content. And that contentment was a witness to the outside world. And I want to tell you this morning, I love you, but I don't know hardly any really content people in my life. Including myself. That's a problem. Because God has made this available for us, but we have to learn it. How many know if you got to learn it, some of you got to unlearn old ways of thinking, old ways of attitudes, old ways of mindsets that are the ways of the world and not the way God thinks. But we have to learn to be content. Once again, contentment is happiness, peace, and satisfaction. And I love what it says in the Amplified. He said, I'm satisfied to the point I am not disturbed, not disquieted, and not uneasy. Do you know anybody like that? I don't know anybody like that hardly at all. Maybe a few people. But that's the way that God said that we can all live. And at the end of the day, that's the way we wish we all were. Then, then what do we got to do? We got to learn it. We got to learn it. And I believe strongly that one of the best ways we do that and the key to it is having the mindset of thankfulness and contentment. Now, I want to share before we go any further about some of the biggest enemies I feel like that we have to contentment. And the root of both of these are lack of thankfulness in our life. Here's one of the main reasons that people aren't content. Entitlement. We live in the most entitled generation that's ever lived on the planet. And you older people, don't act like you get out of this. If you're on this planet, you're in this generation. But we all feel like everyone owes us something. We deserve something. We've earned something. And how many know entitlement is one of the greatest enemies to contentment? It's amazing to me that, think about they talk about years and years and years ago, like the greatest generation, like the people that fought in like World War I or World War II. 18-year-olds back then wanted to go into the military because they thought sacrifice was the greatest thing they could do with their life. Let's take us to 2021. This generation, 18-year-olds want to be a YouTuber and open toys for a living. Yeah, we've gone a far piece from the greatest generation to this generation. 
What's your goal in life? I want to sacrifice for my country and other people, and I'd rather lose my life for the sake of other people's freedom. I want to be a famous YouTuber and TikToker and open presents on. Two different worlds. They grew up in two completely different types of worlds. But why are they like that? Because they grew up being entitled. Their parents helped with that. Their teachers helped with that. The culture has helped with that. Because if you constantly tell everybody, you deserve it. You're worth it. You're enough. You get the fruit of that in your life. That's what's constantly promoted to young people. You're enough. You're the greatest. You're so important. You're the best. And I'm all about positive confessions over your kids. But we went to an extreme that they feel so entitled. There's no thankfulness. And because there's no thankfulness, there's no contentment in their life. Why do you think this generation, their rates of depression and suicide and anxiety are through the roof? But they have more than other generations because they're entitled. And entitlement doesn't equal happiness or contentment. It's the furthest thing from it. Can I go a little further? Were you offended by my... Snap, okay, I'm just checking. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. I see that all the time. I, I got to stay on my message, but the phrase, you are enough. You're enough. It's always breathy. You're enough. That's not scriptural. It's not. It sounds good. The fact is that none of us are enough. We're all broken. We all are in need of help and we can't help ourselves. We are not sufficient in ourselves. We are not enough. That's why Jesus had to come. If you were enough, Jesus didn't have to come. You weren't and I wasn't. But the good news is he loved us enough to make us enough. But just us by ourselves, we are not enough. And great and wonderful and talented and beautiful. And... No, we are because Jesus made us that way. Okay, okay, okay. But entitlement. Entitlement is the gr- one of the greatest enemies of contentment because it breeds lack of thankfulness. If you think everyone owes you something, then it's not a gift. It's payment. So you don't feel the need to say thank you. Here's some truths that you need to live by that will help you to be more content and not be entitled. Number one, realize no one owes you anything. Let me repeat that again. No one owes you anything. You're saying, well, that's not right, Pastor George. Somebody, I know. I know. It's, it's not right, maybe, the, the way that some people act. But I'm saying in your mindset, you have to decide. No one owes me anything. I'm not basing my contentment off other people. 
you got to realize in this world, people are not going to be covenant minded and they're not going to give back to you and they're not always going to do what's right. So if you're going to live by that, you're always going to be ticked off and frustrated because everybody's not doing what should be done and that's right. That's just a part of living in this world. So you have to decide, I'm going to just do it as a gift. No one owes me anything. Live by that truth. No one owes me anything. That means when someone does give you something, it's a gift, not payment. And the response to a gift is thankfulness. Now, here's another truth you need to understand. Jesus owes you nothing but gave you everything. So once again, it's a gift. And the response to a gift is being thankful. If we lived in that place of thankfulness, there would be no entitlement in our lives and it would breed contentment, that state of peace, happiness, and satisfaction in our heart. Are you getting what I'm saying today? Now here's another enemy of contentment, comparison. Now social media and the internet has excelled this. It has poured gasoline on the fire. How many know it used to be keeping up with the Joneses? Referring to somebody down the street. So like you compared your life to the people down the street because that's the only people you knew. That's the only people's lives you knew. That's the only people's business you knew. You only knew if the Joneses got a new car. But we're not living up in those days of keeping up with the Joneses and what your neighbors do. We're keeping up with our Kardashians at this point. And because of that, we don't just know about what Todd down the street got. We know about the guy's car who lives in London, the new car he got. And we saw the new house that that person in South Africa got. And we saw the new toy that this person got in Tennessee. And so social media and the internet has amplified this comparison. We used to just compare ourselves to our coworkers and to our neighbors. Now we compare ourselves to billions of other people on social media with filters and touch-ups, and it's not the real life anyways. And we compare ourselves, and no wonder we're miserable and not content. But comparison is one of the greatest enemies of contentment in your life. And when you're constantly looking through social media or reading the news or scrolling your phone, you see everyone's new car, new house, new toy, new baby, newly married, perfect life. And you want to know the truth about it? It's not real. You are seeing everyone's highlight reel and not their behind the scenes. The only reason you're depressed is you see your behind the scenes and they don't. But on social media, they show the best and they hide the rest. That's the way it works. And so you will go away from social media so depressed so anxious, so not content because you're looking at everybody else's lives that's fake to begin with. And trust me, you keep scrolling, you'll be like, well, I don't have that nice a car. Well, I don't have that nice a house. Well, I don't have no contentment. Comparison is an enemy to contentment. And we'll look at everyone else's lives 
and not be thankful for what God's doing in ours. Comparison is an enemy of contentment. When we come, when we become too busy looking at everyone else's lives, we will not be thankful for what God's doing in ours. So comparison is an enemy of contentment. Now, I'm just like you. I see that too. And it bothers you. Especially if you're having a bad day and you see everyone else having a great day. You're like, (laughs) (laughs) Or just like photogenic people. And I'm sorry, and I love this family so much, but like if you see Nick and Brittany McCain's family pictures, (laughs) they're some of the most beautiful people on the planet. And all their kids, and you're just like, I can't take one good picture for Brooke Bussey on Sunday morning preaching if I tried. But this family's the most beautiful family ever. I love you, McCain's. Has anyone ever felt that way? And you look at somebody's new car, or new house, or new job, and you're like, what does it breed in you, this state of being not content? Because you're looking at everybody else and not being thankful for what God's actually doing in your life, and he's actually doing a lot more than you think he's doing. Could I get Brother Daryl to come play, and I'm going to close here. Let's turn to 1 Thessalonians 5.18. Did you guys get something today? I love this verse. 1 Thessalonians 5.18 in the Amplified. Notice it says, in every situation, no matter what the circumstances, be thankful and continually give thanks to God for this is the will of God for you in Christ Jesus. No matter what the circumstances and in every situation, be thankful for this is God's will for you. We want contentment, but contentment comes from being thankful. That state of peace, happiness, satisfaction of, I'm good. I don't need to be entitled. No one owes me anything. It's a gift. Jesus definitely doesn't owe me anything, and he gave me everything. It's a gift. And I'm not going to compare myself to everybody else. Because I don't know what's going on in their life behind the scenes. Just like they don't know what's going on in my life behind the scenes. I'm going to do what the Bible says. Rejoice with those who rejoice. If they got a new car, I'm going to rejoice with them. If they got a new house, I'm going to rejoice with them. And I'm going to mourn with those who mourn. That means if they're going through a hard time, I'm going through a hard time. I'm with you. But I'm not going to compare myself because me comparing myself is going to take me outside of the contentment that God wants for me. I can't be busy looking at everyone else's lives and be thankful for mine. I want to give you a, a couple recent things that I was thinking about. Maybe that would help you just in my own life. Because your pastor's not above it. I'm trying to figure this out daily because you got to learn it. Remember, Paul said, I got to learn this. Now, 
I don't feel like I'm a person who likes, like I'm not a big possession person. Like, you know, some people, no offense to them. It's not wrong. It's got a lot of stuff. I don't. I don't care about stuff in this life, really. I got a car, some old clothes, <laughs> and a few bucks in my bank account at the moment. I'm not poor, but I just don't care about stuff. But you know, even me, though, you still have that pull of entitlement in comparison. Just one example the other day. Now, I got an iPhone 10. Now, some of you have older phones. But, you know, with Apple, they make sure that your old phone poops out. Just in the right amount of time for the new one to come out. So mine's several years old, and I use it for everything. I use it for, you know, email and text message and podcast and all sorts of stuff. I look up Bible stuff on there. That's what I use the most often. So the other day, I was thinking, I just need to get an iPhone 13 Pro. That's the newest phone. And I'm, I'm going to get it. I have the money to get it. But there's no iPhone 13 Pros because of all the things going on in this country. So I had Brother Sean call places. I called places. And everyone said, you got to wait a month. I don't want to wait a month. (laughs) I want an iPhone 13 Pro today. And I don't even want to order it for it to come in a month because I want it today. And I'd been thinking about that phone, and I know better. I know a phone is not going to make me feel better. I know a phone is not going to make me content. I am way beyond this in my life. I know a phone's not going to make me peaceful or satisfied, but it was bugging me for several days. Don't act like you're above it. Even though my iPhone 10 still works. And there's nothing wrong with the 13 Pro. I'm going to get it eventually whenever they come in. But God was pointing out to me. He's like, you're living frustrated over an iPhone 13 and you know better than this. You know when you get it, it's not going to make you happy. It's not going to make you content. You're not going to feel any more satisfied. You're just going to have a better phone. Now, I don't normally think about stuff like that, but if I can be that petty in my thinking, so can you. We do believe God is the only thing we need to be content, but then there's certain times like that our brain's like, but it wouldn't hurt to get a 13 Pro. I mean, it would make me a little more happy and a little more satisfied. No, it wouldn't. It wouldn't. It wouldn't. And God said, why don't you just be thankful for the one you have? Okay, God, that's not what I wanted to do. I'm going to be thankful for the phone I have, and I'm not going to be frustrated about it until the phone comes off a ship in California. But think about that. That's just one little thing. But how many hundreds of things you think about during the day that are like that? If I got, I would be, no, you wouldn't. If I got, no, you wouldn't. If I, no, you wouldn't. 
It's so deceptive. The enemy does that to you with entitlement and comparison. And that thinking keeps you out of contentment because you're not thankful for the life you do have. I didn't say your life was perfect, but being thankful for the life you do have. Now, here's another thing. You guys still here? You want to go home? Okay. We good? This was a little more serious. I went to the doctor this past week, and don't be concerned about me. I don't got some serious, deadly disease or anything. I'm okay. But I've had a lot of physical issues for a long time, probably a decade. And because of that, I know it's caused mental issues as well. So I've went to doctor after doctor after doctor and done treatments, done experimental treatments, taken more vitamins than you can imagine. And it hasn't done much, really. But it's been going on for a long time, kind of like, like the woman, woman with the issue of blood. Like it says she went to many physicians, but she didn't get better. And then you can start getting like hopeless and discouraged about it. So it's been like a decade of this. And I went to the doctor the other day. I took blood work and they were just like, well, just gave me more things to think about. Are you thinking about this? You need to do this. You need to take this other vitamin. You need to do this. I'm like, I've been doing this a decade. I've been doing what you said. And I don't feel a lot better. And I'm 34. So I went to my car and I was frustrated. And I felt overwhelmed. And so this is where my thinking was going. (laughs) Uh, Comparison. I got in my car and I was just ticked. Not a God. But I was thinking in my head, and you know this is true. There is so many other people that eat junk food, smoke cigarettes, drink beer every night, haven't exercised in 30 years, and don't have to take the vitamins I do, and don't have the health issues I do. That's not fair. It's not right. Or then there's other people like Michael Manning (laughs) that makes you want to cuss. (laughs) And, you know, people like him. (laughs) We're just venting today. There's people like him that uh, his body runs off carbs. Come on, people. It's not fair. He loses weight and gets energy by eating pasta and bread. The rest of us gain 25 pounds and have to take a nap. It's not right. It is not right. And I told God that. It's not right. Michael is not right. There is not right that there's 60-year-olds that take less vitamins than I do and live a crazy life. Smoke, drink, do whatever. Never exercise and they're in better health. It's not right, God. 
Can I talk like this on Sunday morning? Have any of you ever felt that way in a conversation with God? But what was I doing? Comparison. Comparison. I wasn't being thankful for what God has done in my life. And what God is doing in my life. And I'm not being thankful for where I'm at. And I was feeling overwhelmed in my truck. And God said, you're not being thankful for where you are now. You weren't where you were 10 years ago. And you're not where you were five years ago. You're not as strong as you could be right now. But I'm still helping you. You're not as healed as you would like to be, but I'm still helping you. And your thankfulness brings me into your circumstance. Your thankfulness brings me into your life. Your thankfulness brings me into your situation. Instead of comparing and being entitled and complaining about, God, what about Michael? You brought him on the church staff to be a thorn in my flesh. (laughs) I'm joking. I'm completely joking. I love him so much. We just eat together every week. And after he's done eating, he's energized. And I'm like, Michael, I got to go to bed. I can't eat bread and pasta like you do. (laughs) But, you know, there's something about this with God that I feel like Maybe it's just me or maybe you guys have this example that I feel like when I start getting really complaining about my life and comparing, God puts other people in my life that have it worse than I do. Like I run into them like right after I'm feeling that way and I'm just like, oh, Jesus, I'm a jerk. I'm sorry, God. But in that truck, I started saying, well, God, I thank you for my health and God I thank you I'm not where I used to be but I'm not where I want to be and God I thank you you said you're going to help me through all this and figure it out you're going to tell me the doctors to go to you're going to tell me the vitamins to take you're going to put the bright people around me and God I thank you and you know what when you thank him it brings him into your circumstance and I said God I thank you that I'm well enough to have a job I'm not laying in bed. I'm not that bad. I'm well enough that I can preach. I'm well enough that I can be a dad. I'm well enough I can go to the park and hike. I'm not laying in bed. I'm not where I want to be. But God, let me just be thankful for that. And God started bringing people to my remembrance. There's people in a cancer institute today that wish they could go outside. And you're complaining about your issues. You're right. They wish they could go on a hike. They can't. They wish they had a job. You do. You might not feel great, but be thankful. Come on, are you hearing me this morning? But be thankful. No wonder you're not content. You're not being thankful. The Bible says that being thankful is God's perfect will for us. God's perfect will for us. But you know, there's... There's byproducts of being in God's perfect will. When we're in God's perfect will, there's his perfect peace. When we're in God's perfect will, there's his perfect joy. When we're in God's perfect will, there's perfect contentment, perfect satisfaction, perfect protection, 
There's everything we need in God's will. But he said, thankfulness is my will for you. In every circumstance, in every situation. We need to be thankful. We all want contentment. Be thankful. We all want to be in that place of deep peace and satisfaction and happiness. Be thankful. That does not mean everything in your life is great or perfect or wonderful or the way it needs to be. But thanking God puts our mind in the right place, puts our heart in the right place, puts our attitude in the right place, and it allows God to move in our circumstance. We need to be thankful. I was, right after I made those comments, I went to the gym. And I was feeling like I was doing something today because I was like, oh, man, I'm just feeling kind of tired. I'm going to go to the gym, like pushing myself. I told you I've been listening to these people on YouTube. They're like, run 100 miles with a broken leg. That's what I've been into lately. So I was pushing myself. I'm like, I ain't going to lay down to this. So I went to the gym, and I'm working out. I'm feeling good. I'm doing my workout. And then a person comes in in a wheelchair with no legs. And they're at the gym working out. And I'm over there thinking, God, I know you brought this person in here for me. What am I doing? I'm over here complaining about my physical issues. This guy's in the gym in a wheelchair with no legs. Be thankful I got two legs. I got two arms. Just something like that could change your perspective in your mind. You got to be thankful. I'm closing. I know I went long. Did you guys get anything today? Think about this. If you had today what you were thankful for yesterday, would you have anything today? If you had today what you were thankful for yesterday, would you have anything today? The sad part about that is most of us wouldn't have a lot. Because most of us go day after day after day after day and never thank God for anything. Or even the basic things. But thankfulness is God's perfect will for us. God's perfect will for us. I just want to share a few things. And I, I want to the next week. I felt this strongly on my heart. I think it would be good to share with each other. I, I want to encourage you guys in the next week. Whether that's in text or phone calls or whatever. I want you to text people every day or call people every day and tell them at least three things you're thankful for for the next week. Trust me, once you start thinking about it, you'll be surprised all the things that comes to your mind. And the more you do that, the more it changes your mind, the more it changes your attitude, the more it changes your perspective because you're in God's perfect will being thankful. I want to tell you some things I'm thankful for today. That does not mean my life is perfect. I shared plenty with you today. But I'm thankful for Natalie, my daughter. I'm thankful for 
this church. I'm thankful for all of you as a church family. You guys are generous. You serve. You give. For some reason, you still keep coming back every Sunday. Some of you have been with us in our family, in our church family, through some of the most difficult things in our life, and you're still here. That's important, and that's significant for you guys. We don't take that lightly. I'm thankful for my dad and my sister and my nephews. I'm thankful for all my friends. Thankful for my staff, even including Michael, (laughs) especially Michael. I'm thankful that I have a brain and a mind that functions. I'm thankful that I have a body that's getting stronger and getting better. I'm thankful I have a job, and not just any job. I'm doing exactly what I'm called to do. And it's God's dream for my life. And I'm thankful that more importantly than anything I'm thankful that God's never given up on me he's never forsaken me he's never forgotten me I don't know if any of you feel that or understand it but God has been patient with you he's been long suffering with you he's been kind to you when you were not kind he's been loving to you when you were not loving And he saved you from hell and from death and from destruction. He saved you from yourself. He healed you. He delivered you. He's given you peace and joy and satisfaction in a new life and a new future and a new family. And I'm thankful for what God has done in my life. Could you stand up today? Thank you so much for listening today. For more information about what's happening at Church on the Rock, visit cotrin.org.